everybody. Talk about it outdoors live in the Wilson studio. Episode 32 is about to drop. We've got a Midwest, no, it's a West swing going on. Nellie said it best, but we're going way out west, son. <laughs> we can't wait to get this one underway. Tim Hoffman, dealer relations manager with Baku's here with us, and he's going to tell us all about mule deer. He's going to talk about fishing. He's going to talk about turkey hunting. He's going to talk about a little bit of everything we got going on. And I do not know why that song cuts off like that. I will re-record that before we get done. So for everybody here, we cannot thank you enough for tuning in. We're excited to be here. I know Cody's excited. I stole his word. And you know what I'm most excited about? In the last episode, if anybody listened they did not hear you ask a very special question to a Don't legendary turkey hunter. I, I kept it quiet for a reason. <laughs> I started asking. I it, kept it quiet for a reason. Yeah, well, know, hey, know. you know what? I was proud of you. I wanted to ask it, and Cody wanted to I ask it. I was hoping you was going to ask it before. <laughs> well, Cody said he was going to, well, but he didn't. Well, I, I know, but we kind of we, we beat that horse to death. So That was a legendary turkey caller. It was, well, it was. I'm curious. I got to know what was the question. <laughs> well, I'll ask you, you after. No, hey, that voice you hear in the background, that's Nick Durham back in yeah, the studio with us with again us. for this episode. And you said Midwest a while ago. We're out west. You I know. I, I said, I said Midwest lag. what? Yeah, I got jet lag when I was going across those uh, flyover states. Like Aldine said, they're beautiful as you fly over them. So <laughs> without further ado, I'm going to bring on a great friend of mine that I've met here recently. He seems to be a guy that's going to uh, come on here and bring something to the table. He talked Brian Marsing, everything he knows about hunting in the, only the six months he's known him. Tim Hoffman, welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate it, Alex. I uh, Certainly happy and excited to be a part of this, and appreciate you inviting me on. It's it's funny that how I, I got in contact with Tim and Brian. You know, shout out to him because he's became somebody that we've really enjoyed getting to know and getting to speak with. He came on here and he told us all about Baku. He gave us the history of it. He gave us the rundown of where you guys are headed with the, you know, the the support of the the military and the law enforcement community. What you guys are doing with that. We've seen all kinds of stuff coming out about Baku, and it really seems like you guys are growing in a positive way in the industry, and we're so happy and excited to see what the future brings for you guys. Likewise, we appreciate it. We appreciate the support, and uh, and yeah, like we're we're excited about the the, the friendships we've made here thus far, and, and certainly look forward to uh, joining you guys with in some uh, stuff in the future. So tell me about the Iowa Deer Classic. You're the first person that we really got to talk to about how it went, and uh, so how was it seeing all those, you know, those whitetails? Because you're not a whitetail hunter, so what was your first impression no. of it? It's a it's a different arena. I mean, I've gone to a, a lot of different hunt expos here in the West, um, but like you said, I've, I've never hunted whitetail in my life before. That was my first time to. I mean, I've I've gone to the Midwest. Well, I shouldn't even say it that way. I've been I've been to chicago illinois once upon a time for uh, a couple of weeks for some work stuff and that was it <clears throat> but as far as being anywhere in the midwest talk about iowa or kansas it, that was my first experience in, in that neighborhood um it was uh like i said it was very different a lot of turkey calls and and white tail like you said all over the place i'm used to walking into a, an expo center where you hear where you hear uh, elk bugles going off all over the place and goose calls and stuff like that so when you got there, was it crowded this year? I know with COVID and everything, it slowed down all the expos across the country. You know, was it still pretty mm-hmm. upbeat and going? It was. So I, I actually went in there. Uh, Thursday was, was pretty slow. Friday started to pick up a bit. Uh, but by Friday evening and, and Saturday, I mean, Saturday was a zoo. I mean, I don't know what the capacity was, but it was, in fact, even Friday when I got there, I got there about 10 minutes early. I mean, you had that, there were people lined up a quarter mile around the block just trying to get into the building so it was pretty busy um that being said everybody i talked to said it was maybe half capacity for what they're what they're used to was it mask free it was i I would say that probably 90 percent of the folks there did not have masks on that's good that's good to hear that's good in my opinion yeah it actually was good yeah it it was kind of a i mean no pun intended here but it was a breath of fresh air (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly that, that, make, that, that kind of like you said makes a breath of fresh air thinking about the um places we got coming up that we're going to right yeah and it kind of opens the door to to let people use these shows as the outlets they want them to be they don't want to 
as bad as I hate to say it, and, and I know the masks have have you know protected some of the people that are susceptible to it or whatever it may be, and whatever science you believe behind it, whether you believe it works or whether you believe it doesn't, I hate talking to someone face to face when they're wearing a mask. Me too. Yep. Because I'm trying, I'm, I'm smiling behind that mask, and nobody can see these beautiful teeth. It takes all the personality out of good I kind of like it. I can't see snuff in mine. I ain't got to worry about having snuff in my teeth as much anymore. So, Tim, I mean, you went up there and you spent three days. Did you happen to run yep. into or hear a seminar by a man uh, of the name of Don Higgins? Did you Did you see anything about Don Higgins while you were up there? I can't say that I did. I, I was stuck in that booth. I mean, it was just me and, and Darren the uh, with Forerunner. And, I, I mean, I literally was there first thing opened up and i didn't leave and leave the booth until the night end and they closed up shop did you uh you were on with that booth um you were there with with uh is it darren yoder correct correct yep so darren is uh the owner or inventor of forerunner blinds which you were there representing baku and the relationship that you guys are developing tell us a little bit about that because we really didn't get into that with brian one one second y'all were both in the same booth is that correct yeah yeah okay yep Yeah, so so Darren actually had the booth set up um, in, in kind of a, a little more detail about what my role is, I guess, with Baku. Is, is, and you mentioned this, Alex, I'm, I'm the dealer relations manager, and so I, I'm really overseeing <clears throat> oh, about 150 accounts across the country, uh, primarily here in the West, but I've got a good number of folks there, especially up in the Northeast. Uh, but uh, in getting set up with, with Darren, he's a – He's a guy that we actually bumped shoulders with uh, last year at the Iowa Deer Classic, and uh, we just kind of hit it off with him. You know, he was looking for uh, a company to kind of partner with that he could incorporate his blinds with to be able to hook up to a bike, to an electric e-bike. <clears throat> and uh, just as that relationship is kind of is, is, has kind of matured, uh, we've now recently been set up as a dealer for him, but in, in the same turn, he, uh, is set up as a dealer of ours and Darren, he's, um, I mean, talk about a stand up guy. He's, uh, a local there in, uh, Leon area, which is Southwest corner of Iowa. And, uh, uh, he, he's actually, he's a character. He's a cool guy. He, what he does primarily is he raises bulls for like rodeos and stuff. And this was, but he's a big time hunter and he runs all these different, he kind of manages all these properties for different folks and on these properties that he's helping to kind of manage the deer herds and stuff like that as well. Um, that's kind of where this concept of having a ground blind came up. It was more mobile that he could pick up, you know, put up on wheels and haul off to another part of the property or whatever without having to collapse a, you know, a thousand pound piece of equipment. Yeah. And that, that kind of segues into, you know, the Midwest style of hunting as compared to what the the West or even in the Southeast, you know, we hunt out of deer stands and out of, yep. uh, we hunt out of blinds, not as much here in the Southeast as we do in the Midwest, but you know, you guys out West don't really use blinds or stands, do you? Very rarely. Typically the only time that you ever see somebody in, in a blind here is sometimes you'll see some folks, um, that are sitting on like a, on a guzzler or on a water source of some sort. Uh, sometimes they'll drop a ground blind there, but more times than not, I, I'll see some folks do it for like antelope hunting. Uh, I've, I've sat some ground blinds on with an archery tag, hunting antelope. Uh, even elk is, it's not as common. Usually if anything, if we're going to be stationary, it's more likely going to be in a tree stand. Damn, <clears throat> I got to hit you with a pump your brakes moment. Brought to you by Southeast Uh-oh. Wildlife Innovations. Here, you 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 throw down a word there. Now, <laughs> we're not used. To. We're not used to. <laughs> we're looking at one another. Yeah. What what do y'all call a guzzler in Utah? <laughs> <laughs> a, a guzzler? It's, uh, is that a pond? Yeah. So it well, it's basically what it is. Is it's it's a rain catch. Um, usually, it's for like birds. Uh, or any, I mean, any wildlife really in that area where you don't typically get water that will stay on the ground. So it basically, could t- imagine taking a, usually it's like a fiberglass piece of siding that you normally put like on a rooftop, like on a greenhouse kind of a looking thing, put it up on silt, and then that water that runs off of that, when it rains, it, it runs off of that and drops down into a water basin, and it shades that water basin, so actually will hold water in there. 
Now, what so that's we, where, like I said, here in desert areas, you'll, you'll see those all over the place. We call a guzzler here in the southeast somebody that drinks a lot of beer. So that's where <laughs> <laughs> you said that. I had, to, I had to hit you with that puppy break moment. I hadn't, I hadn't got one in in a minute, so that, that definitely was that was perfect for that. So that that's awesome. And and I I can't even imagine the changes that the e bike game has brought to to your your hunting style or, or what you've done. Did you grow up hunting Completely. off of? Did, did you hunt off of ATVs or off of what did what did Brian call uh, or Shad call the uh, the four wheelers they were right or the motorcycles they called them something I can't remember exactly what it was the box that they rode has it has it changed that a lot for you I uh, I grew up using the old uh, Chevrolet legs as a Chevrolet kid legs. it was <laughs> like it was uh, boots on the ground it was boots on the ground I I grew up hunting sagebrush and literally we'd we'd get in a line of about five or six guys to be my you know my grandpa my uncles my dad and we would kind of spread out across through these different drainages and we would just move these make these pushes around and in the hopes of jumping a deer and it was kind of like it was a jump jump and shoot kind of a thing it was you know keep your gun in your hand and if a deer pops up you better be quicker than he is to jump over the ridge so uh, it, it's a, it's a different pace for what I do now. You know, that's kind of how I grew up hunting. Uh, but that's evolved into, uh, like I said, side by sides and, and dirt bikes and whatnot. And, and since then I've become more of a backpacker. I, I pack in several miles, you know, two, five, seven miles in, and I'll stay on the mountain for three, three to five days at a time, uh, in a tent and I'll stay back in there on the, on the mountain for quite a while. How many people you run into when you're doing that? Depends on the hunt. Um, archery season, I'll, I'll usually run into uh, maybe a, a handful of guys, two or three guys that are maybe hunting the same basins that, that I am. Uh, you get into uh, rifle season, and it's, I, I mean, it's, a, it's a, the whole hillside covered in blaze orange. I mean, you, you, everywhere you look, there's a guy at the top of the ridge and down at the bottom and on one side and the other. So it just really depends on, on which hunt you're actually uh, going on. Rifle hunt's still the most popular in Utah. Most most guys rifle deer hunt. Uh, muzzle loaders become more popular. We get a lot of guys that muzzle hunt now. Uh, and then like I said, archery is, it is, has grown immensely in Utah over the last probably 15 or 20 years. But growing up, it was unheard of. You know, as a kid, it was very rare to ever run into anybody who ever hunted archery. Well, be, well being out west and having the opportunity to chase different big game animals that animals than we have here um what what is your favorite to chase well, you know us being the whitetail of course um my favorite i'll tell you this my favorite hunt to do is is actually an antelope hunt okay it, it's it's the it's the funnest hunt i would say uh for me my favorite animal to hunt always mule deer uh i grew up hunting mule deer my whole life and uh that's that's still kind of my my foundation that that's the bread and butter of who I am and, and what I like to do. Um, but, uh, but like the, but funnest hunt, it, it's antelope hunting. What makes it so, what makes it so fun? <laughs> I mean, you, are you now antelope hunting? Are you, are you bow hunting? I have done it with a bow. Usually it's with a rifle. Okay. Um, but then again, I've also, I've, I've also been with, I've been out there with a muzzle loader too. So I've kind of done it all on those ones. I think animal hunting is just fun because it's, I mean, it's run and gun. I, I mean, you basically first light, you get up. Well, first of all, I got to say this. Antelope are probably the, the laziest big game animal that you'll see. They they aren't the ones that are up at the crack of dawn. They they roll up off their beds when the sun's up. And then they uh, get up and just they kind of move. They just wander from water to water all day long. That You know, they'll bed down for maybe an hour or two, and then they'll move on to the next water. Bed down for a minute and move on again. But, uh, I mean, literally all day long, you'll go up, you get to a high point, you glass, you find a herd, and you decide if you're going to put a stock on them. And once you put a stock on them, you kind of decide if you're going to go after one of the bucks that's in the group. And if not, then you just move up to another knoll and start ch- and look for the next herd. And it's, it's like that all day long. I mean, you're going from herd to herd to herd until you find a buck that you want to take. Are you chasing them on the bike? Uh, I haven't had that opportunity yet. Oh, I like to, I've actually just been with Baku since August, and so I haven't had that opportunity to do that. Uh, I've been on a deer hunt with the bike, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's a different experience. Um, 
what, what I've kind of learned of it so far is, and you guys, you guys know this, even with Whitetail, they know the sound of a truck. They, they know the sound of farm equipment. They know the sound of side-by-sides and dirt bikes. Um, and they know what guys, you know, guys walking on the ground are. They're familiar with the fact that we're predators. I drove within 10 feet of deer several different times on these bikes, and they didn't know what the heck was going on. They couldn't figure out what was happening yet. Here, here's a question. I know what I use there. Yeah, you bet. Here's a question. Can you use those can you use those bikes to drive deer? No. Okay. So some I yeah. guess all states won't will not let you use those bikes. Pursuit of game, I probably not. Yeah. I would say. Yep. Yep. It, it again it's it's that uh, it's it chasing an animal. Yeah, they, they don't allow you to chase down animals with with the bike. Better not turn some of these rednecks loose in <laughs> South Georgia with them, man. <laughs> Now I understand antelope hunting being fun, but there's just something about I'm I'm trying to get out west, and I was asking you that for yep. a reason because there's something about trying to find a three or four hundred inch bull screaming in your face. Oh yeah, I mean I mean you are you a big elk hunter as well? It's it's a newer that's a newer one for me. Elk hunting was not usual a big thing growing up for me and and my buddies, but as I've been in, as I've matured in my hunting career and whatnot, it's something I've taken more of a liking to. And so I've been hunting elk for the last several years. I mean, I've been on several different cow hunts, cow elk hunts and spike, uh, spike bull hunts here in Utah. Um, Utah's a tricky state for, for getting the elk tag for any of the, any decent unit to try and chase a bull. You've got to be looking at limited, a uh, limited entry unit and you're looking even for a decent one, you're 10, 15, as much as 25 years waiting time frame to draw a good tag. Yeah, that, that kind of seems to be the going rate on what I'm hearing on some of that stuff. It's really hard to get into a good unit out there. Yep, yep. Utah's probably one of the, one of the tougher ones. Utah and Nevada are both tough. Um, I, I think Wyoming, Colorado, and Idaho, and, and Montana, I think they all offer some pretty, I would say, good quality uh, hunts that you can get on that uh, you can actually be going after mature bulls. You said the antelope's your favorite to chase. Is it your favorite to eat? It's not my favorite to eat. <laughs> Does it taste like sage? Does it taste like sagebrush? Because that's what we keep hearing over and over and over again. It tastes like sagebrush. But like Ranella said on Meat Eater, that was one of his favorite things to eat. So what now? What he saying? He said if that was the it, only it, only meat that he could choose to be on his dinner table that would be it it actually it actually i will admit it's good but it's all it's all in the preparation of it the, the thing that's that's kind of scary and, and much like whitetail you've got um some pretty potent scent glands that are on those antelope and uh, typically when you're hunting antelope it's during their rut and so they 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 just think all high heck you know and uh so um, it, it's all about just making sure you don't hit those scent glands. And, uh, and of course, the biggest thing is, you know, get that thing skinned out, get the hide off, and get it on ice as quick as you can. If you can do that, the meat is, I mean, it's tender, it's lean. It's actually really clean tasting. Um, it, I wouldn't say that it's really sagey or, or gamey, I should say. The gaminess, I think, really comes to um, how you prepare that meat and how you take care of it when, after you've harvested yeah, it's just like whitetails here. You hear people all the time, oh, I can't stand deer meat. It tastes like awful. It's just blah, 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 this and blah. And generally what they did, they probably cut a deer off a hide through it right in yep. the freezer. I mean, just like yep. we, we put them on ice and let them bleed out and kind of if you can hang it, great. A lot of the buffs don't have the opportunity to hang it. We get it in a cooler and we'll, you know, change the ice out and get the blood out of it. And that blood's where that yep. gaminess comes from. Yep. Same thing. Yep. Same difference. Now you uh, you spent most of your life in Utah. That's where that's the only place you lived, right? Yeah, yep. I, I spent a couple of years in the Philippines. Um, was, was all, and then otherwise I've been here in in Utah. Now, what were you in the Philippines? What was I actually you? served uh, a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and so I was there for two years serving mission. How was that culturally? I mean, you you know, growing growing up in Utah, and I guess it would be like leaving home and going somewhere. How how was that? I mean, as an experience. Oh, it, it, I mean, completely different than anything that we that we've really dealt with here in the in the states, anywhere in the states. I mean, you're talking about going into a third world world country where I can tell you, I you know, I I myself lived in an apartment, but I would go and I would a lot of people I would be meeting with. No joke, they had 
just wood that they pounded down into the ground. It, it had tin siding on it, and you'd have an entire family in there in a room that was maybe 10 foot by 10 foot, and, uh, and they just used candlelight. They didn't have power. They, they didn't have, and it's not that they didn't all, weren't all that way, um, but, but it was very commonplace. Um, culturally speaking, I mean, again, it's, it's, a, it's a third world country. It's completely different. Um, but I will tell you this, they are the most, like, the, the most sweet and generous in giving people you ever meet in your life, though. Did you do any fishing? As little as they there, have. Or, or did y'all get the opportunity to, you know, do any kind of hunting or anything while you were there? No. No, they, they didn't ever get an opportunity to fish or to hunt at all. That was, uh, that, those were actually a couple of things that they didn't allow us to do while we were there. Really? Serving a mission. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I thought, uh, I, I mean, that's just my <laughs> ignorance, but I would have thought for sure that people that, you know, that were living like that would have taken you fishing or something like that. The offers were there, but it was, I, I think that their fear was that we'd get distracted by that and pretty soon we'd be fishing every day. <laughs> well, that, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, that makes sense. So you came back to Idaho, or excuse me, Utah, and, and you yep. spent your time there. You know, was it was it more of a, an appreciation for what you had here? Completely. Uh, I mean, you talk, again, you talked about a humbling experience to see people who have so little. Um, it makes you feel pretty shameful about the things that you used to wish you had as a kid and, uh, and, and, and realize that people would, I wouldn't, I don't want to say they would kill for the things we have, but they, you know, even a, an 1800 square foot home here in the U S we would consider that being fairly small. Um, for them, that would be a mansion. Yeah. Uh, so it just, it changed perspective for me completely. It's, I, I, I kind of have to check myself every now and again, even still, but uh, it, I think it helps me keep me grounded a little bit in, in what really matters. So you're going now into the uh, to the relationship with Baku, and yep. What's the what's the the change that came there? What what kind of line of worker were you in before that? I've I've been uh, my background in schooling. I've got a degree in professional sales, um, and, and so I've been a professional seller my whole life. I, I spent a number of years with Granger Industrial as well as with Honeywell in their industrial safety group. And, uh, and I've just managed different accounts with them over the years. And uh, uh, unfortunately, due to COVID and other unforeseen things going on in the world, I, I was one of those that got the hatchet when, when the market started to tank a little bit on, uh, on that world. And, um, and so I got uh, laid off about a year. In fact, almost exact, in fact it was a year ago exactly uh, yesterday. Oh, wow. So but, uh, with the sales side ahead. of things, did it, did it, and the reason I asked that, I wanted to kind of see with the, the corporate side of the things you did, did it open up opportunities for you to talk about hunting a lot or did you, did you really not bring that to the table with, you know, conversations you had? It's almost scary at times because you're afraid you're going to offend someone, I'm sure. <laughs> but there, you definitely have to tiptoe the line a little bit, especially when, uh, I mean, of, of those years, I probably spent eight or nine years working with the federal government, and you, you had to be pretty careful about the things that you said, and, and you never wanted to get into political conversations. But that being said, I mean, people like doing business with people, right? Um, they they want to know that whoever they're getting support from or who they're working with, they want to know that you're a real individual and you're not just out there for your own cause. Um, so of course, I mean, the conversations and the way that I built my relationships was about different foundational things that we had in common, whether that was riding dirt bikes, if it was fishing or hunting, um, playing basketball or football or something like that. Um, those were all things that I, that I used to, to build those relationships. And so, yeah, hunting was, that was still probably a daily conversation, even in the, in those positions. That's awesome. So you're, you know, you're hunting out there and what's 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 your dream hunt you know you got to have one out there what's what's the one that's next for for tim that what's the one you're chasing anyway i know you talk about points and things like that that are that are hard to get so what's the one that you're chasing more than any of them i honestly i I think the one that that truly my dream hunt is is probably a caribou or a moose hunt up in alaska Um, either one of those run (laughs) that's (laughs) That's a a pretty good there for sure i uh that I want to shoot a grizzly bear with my bow. That, that's that, that's a goal of mine. I will do that one day too. Tim Wells, we got a piece of advice for you. If you go caribou hunting, and you okay, ride, and you ride a jet boat, yes, wear waders. 
We had okay. a guy. We had a guy. We had a guy on from Idaho that I grew up with back in Georgia, and he lives in Idaho currently. And he's they went up there for a two week stint, took a jet boat, and he said from the time he got on that jet boat until he went home, he never had dry feet. Oh my gosh! For two weeks, yeah, for two weeks. Jungle and he road. took two. And he took two pair of boots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mean you don't want? You, you mean you don't want to come on an eastern turkey hunt? Of course they do. I want to do that too. <laughs> Nobody I, ever said you. You'll never hear anybody yeah, he say, that. "Boy, I can't wait to get to Georgia and shoot a doe." <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say turkey. Hey, I it's on you. the bucket list. Don't you worry. It, it's on the list. Way we keep going, getting you guys out west, get y'all on here and talking to y'all about hunting. We're gonna have some trade offs. I guarantee you. We done got some guys Absolutely. that are going to Idaho from Georgia. To hunt with uh-huh. uh, to hunt with the guy that Nick mentioned, Rusty. They're going out there on a mule deer hunt in in Idaho with him this year. So I'd, awesome! I'd trade him a hunt in a minute if y'all got some flat ground out there somewhere. Shoo! Have any Have any of you guys hunted mule deer yet? No, no. no. One oh guy, my gosh, one, yeah. none, Just, none of the main members have. But we got one sitting over here on the side shaking his head that he might have hunted one. <laughs> I'm out Was it legal. <laughs> I'm out west a lot, and I and it's something I definitely want to I want to get into, but um. I haven't I haven't pulled the trigger on the hunt. I'm still focused on Midwest whitetails right now. It well, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I am. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm still so caught up in chasing mules, you know, muleys that I, I haven't even really put a lot of effort into going after whitetail. But I'll tell you, after going to that Iowa Deer Classic, it got me sold. I need to start putting in for some of those hunts and hopefully get a tag here in the next few years. Well, do yourself a favor now and. Uh set your uh set your sights a little lower than probably what you saw in, in iowa <laughs> yeah. at the classic if you're coming to georgia on a well yeah <laughs> when you talked about going to the iowa classic and you guys sitting in that booth what is that experience like up there just sitting in the booth talking to folks are they are, are they more in are they more interested in talking about hunting or are they talking about the products as they travel by it's it's a lot it's Honestly, it's a lot about the product and how it incorporates that. You know, I, I think that uh, people still find a, have a lot of fascination in it. Um, I think it's still a very new thing in the hunting world to be even thinking about an e-bike to be utilized in a hunting environment. Um, for the guys that come up, I mean, they're intrigued. I mean, they're just enthralled by it. it it's, it's such a curious thing still. And um, so conversations a lot of times really started around like, well, how do you, I mean, how would you use this? Where would you use this? The common question was, I mean, who in their right mind needs an electric bike for hunting? And it, it's a pretty short conversation in, in the sense of like, I mean, think about it. Think about the hunter going on. And you're talking about something that makes no noise um, or very little at least. Basically leaves no scent trail behind you as you're getting into a tree stand. Um, and you're not having to put the miles on your feet. You know, what took you an hour and a half hike especially for us in the west here you know we might hike two miles and it's going to take us you know if we're climbing up and doing a lot of elevation changes it might take you you know hour hour and a half to hike that now you can do that in 30 20 or 30 minutes yeah what we saw and is you're not well breaking a sweat right and we saw the advantages of it with a gentleman we ran into while hunting public land in illinois this year as far as movement you know cody and i were, were walking in to where i was hunting at least 35 minutes to the stand and yep. we got to talking talking to uh what was his name bill. bill yeah bill we got to talking to him and he was making it to his stand in you know five minutes from his truck and he was going past you yeah and he was going way back past <laughs> and it was and he he kind of uh, ultimately bill's probably the reason that i'm actually talking mm-hmm. to you that i talked to brian that i talked to mr john in the beginning and getting in touch with y'all because i started researching bikes and yep. e-bike generation started sending me some emails and that's where I, you know, kind of sent him a message and asked to get in touch with him. And it's, it's kind of evolved from there. And it's definitely opened up our eyes to a different type of hunting and a different ability to do it. And Nick's made a, a conversation with a gentleman here that that's local to us about going in and, and turkey hunting. And yep. I, I kind of guess that, that, that kind of opens up the door for conversation on the turkey hunting in, in the Midwest, or excuse me. Yep. I keep saying the Midwest, and I, I apologize. It, we're in the West now. <laughs> Go West, young Can man. I get a pump your brakes moment? Yeah, hit, hit Brought to you by one. Southeast Wildlife Innovations. Yeah, hit, hit that Alex has brought up turkey hunting, and me and Watson didn't. <laughs> wow, I know. I was. Yeah, I mean, I, hey, listen. 
you guys, you guys love turkeys, and, and I love y'all. So, I mean, I just want to do everything I can to support y'all's habit. You brought up crappy fishing for me on the last episode. I just, I wanted to get that in there. I didn't want it to go untouched. Well, I appreciate or it. Unnoticed. It, it, it didn't. It doesn't go unnoticed. The, the the passion that you guys have had for that. We've only talked about it for the last five and a half weeks. Is there any new uh, turkey hunting regulations coming to uh, to to Utah that that are making you uh, not happy uh, or anything that you could see? out there no i hope there is i mean no not at all i mean there's nothing that i would complain about as far as turkey hunting goes here uh i mean i can i'm sure you know this already but turkey hunting is it's not a huge thing in utah um what's the bag limit for a resident and a non-resident uh i i believe it depends there's a couple different seasons i think you can actually i think you can only harvest two turkeys in a in a year you basically you'll have a spring season you'll have a fall season you can kill one bird in, in each of those that's for a resident? A resident. And as far as non-resident, I think it's the same. Okay. Well, Shad, you know, uh, he's been on previously. I spoke with him today, and he, he they're getting ready for a youth season there. And he said they're having a heck of a time finding ammunition out there, and I'm sure you guys are running oh, into yeah. it just like we are. Yep. Completely. I mean, I mean, you, you walk into a – I'm sure it's the exact same thing. You walk into a Sportsman's or Cabela's or anywhere, and, the, I mean, it's just bare bones. I mean, there's a box here and there of random ammunition, but it's it's a slim pickings for sure. When you when you're talking about going um, in the um, and sorry in the booth up there at the Iowa Deer Classic, did you have many people from the southeast reaching out to you coming by talking about these, or was it mainly northeast and uh, western western hunters? Um, most of the people that that were there were all from the Midwest. Um, we had a few folks that were from that southeast corner of the country, you know, in your neck of the woods. Uh, I would say the, the the lion's share of folks who were there were locals. Um, <clears throat> well, of but, course, because uh, they're not traveling to get to it. Right. Correct. I, yep. I actually see a big market for it down in some of the flatter areas, especially in Georgia. North Georgia, yep. I don't think you'd be hard-pressed in a lot of places. I mean, you're not riding you're not riding an e-bike in I've been seeing a lot of guys post on uh, Instagram riding those e-bikes down in Florida turkey hunting. Yeah. Over the yep. past week. Yeah. Yep. Long, straight, I mean, sandy roads beat the crowd in. Gators. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Flying past them. Pythons <laughs> Not and such. Yeah. So well, they python. Y'all got what kind of snakes y'all got out there, Tim? Y'all have these snakes. We we got a few. Nothing like you guys have. Uh rattlesnakes. We we've got blow snakes. Uh, I mean I'm probably not the right person to be asking because I, I don't know them all. We got a lot of garter snakes. Well, no, I don't need no mall. Do you see them when you're hunting? I mean, that's the biggest thing. Rarely. Very rarely do I. I'll come across the rattlesnake every now and again, um, but that, that's it's pretty rare. Well, that's good to know. If we ever go mule deer hunting, <laughs> boys, we ain't got to worry about rattlesnakes. Yeah, exactly. You come to no, Georgia, you, you better bring some chaps. <laughs> now, now going, <laughs> going back to the booth thing, I'll beat this, keep beating this. When you were in there with the forerunner blinds, did you see a lot more attraction for the for the blinds in different parts of the – United States. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's there was huge interest in that blind. I was I, I was truth be told, you know, in the beginning, I was a little bit skeptical as to like really where could you use it. But I'll tell you, like just the number of folks we talked to. Uh, I mean, there were different guys that obviously managed and or owned a lot of different land. Um, and just talking with these guys about the blinds, it was like this light just turned on. It's like, oh my heck, you know, as far as ease and be able to move something around. Um, Darren's gone so far as to create even um, skis for it. So for those guys, especially in the Midwest where they're getting snow, it's got skis you can throw it on and drag it around. And drag it out on the ice and go ice fishing out of it if you wanted. So it's just a normal uh, ground blind. Yep. What is it built on? Just it, a- so it's all it, it, it's a, just a steel frame skeleton right now. I think he's going to be changing that to like an aluminum frame just to lighten it up a little bit. It's really not that heavy. It's only about 120 pounds um period but uh but it's just got that skeleton and then it's got a, a hitch on the front of it that mounts up to an atv a side-by-side your truck or like i said in, and he engineered worked with a guy to engineer and design and build a, a hitch that actually attaches to our, uh to an e-bike and so you can tug that trailer around with an e-bike no problem <laughs> and the, it has a solid platform in the bottom of it it doesn't nope it doesn't have a solid pl- platform 
the way it kind of operates and the way that it, it becomes mobile is that it's got the way that the wheels are set up. Um, it kind of pivots underneath the, uh, the frame itself. And so when you want to set it down, you just pivot those wheels and it sets the blind down on the ground. Okay. Yeah. I, so know, it's what got, it's, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've seen that. Yep. Yep. So you just get on the outside of it, you flip the wheels up and it sets straight down on the ground. Exactly. Yep. And as you're pulling that blind, what keeps that blind? Is it like tent stakes on the inside? I don't know. You would have to bring, yeah, what, what I don't know the name we of those. kind of have recommended. Yeah. You, you, they don't have any like tent stakes necessarily or anything like that. What we've actually used is uh, just some bent, just some rebar. Just bend one at the end of the rebar and just pound some rebar down to keep it down. No, no, I'm, I mean on the inside of the blind itself. It's got a skeleton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got just like a tent skeleton in there. Yeah, it's it, it's a little bit heavier duty frame than that. But, yeah, it's, it's just got a, a steel skeleton that it's utilizing right now. And then it's just the actual blind itself goes over the, drapes over the top of that, and it's just held on with Velcro. So you basically pull that wherever you want to go and don't you don't collapse it or anything? Nope, not at all. It's okay. all pre, it's all assembled. It's standing upright. You just pop the wheels underneath it or and whatnot and tug it away. That's it. Now, is it the full view blinds once you set inside? I don't know. Yep. That. Yep, you've got um, – the way it's kind of designed is you've got four sides to it, but then even on the sides, it's not just a perfect square. You kind of have these angled portions on each corner, and those have – uh, have a, a screen on them as well. So you've really got one, two, what, four, eight access points to be able to shoot from. Okay. Can you shoot a, can you shoot a bow through that? Can you shoot a fixed blade broadhead through that netting? Yep. <laughs> I don't know if I'd try it, but I know that they, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you could. <laughs> a lot of people say you can. I it just ain't me. I want an open window. Just let me shoot through that open window on, you know, two sides or whatever it may be and have yeah. myself blacked out in the back of it. Well, what was yep, your, it, oh, I'm sorry. Um, what was your overall experience with, the personally at the, at the classic? Did you, I mean, it was a lot of fun or did it seem a little overwhelming or, I, I love it. Like I said, for me, this is this is a completely different pace for me. Being at Baku, I mean, talk about an awesome job. I mean, I, I, I talk to hunters from all over the country, all over the world. I mean, I've talked to guys in Australia. I've talked to guys from Guam. Um, I, I mean, we talk to folks all over the place. Um, and, and you talk about just different hunting stuff. You get to talk about different hunts that people are going to use this for and, and how they want to utilize it. Or, fit, or not even just hunting, but fishing trips guys that are just wanting to go on bike rides you, you talk i mean there's just so many different applications that bike comes from so as far as the experience with the iowa deer classic it's just it's awesome i mean it's awesome to just be sitting there talking to like-minded people you know people that are um that love the outdoors have an appreciation for the outdoors and what and however they like to utilize that land to do those things um and just to talking about a cool new product that uh that's really new technology to the industry it's, it's pretty exciting I, I, it, that, it was a neat experience for me i enjoyed it a lot and i guess it's different for anyone out there that that spends you know i guess you've spent most of your life hunting or chasing some form of game in the outdoors and now it's almost got to be a surreal experience for you to be able to work in the industry oh yeah yeah completely and that's that's neat to me to see somebody you know go from you realistically you were in a marketing job in the in the real world uh, well let's call it the real world or the corporate America <laughs> world and you corporate got back America, to your, yep. yeah you got back to your roots and were able to make a living doing something you enjoy and you're passionate about and that's just uh, it, it gives me hope that one day you know we're going to be able to do something <laughs> with this thing we got going on here that we can do something even more with. Would you give any piece? Um, would you give any advice if anybody were to go to a, just say we were to go to um, the Iowa Deer Classic? Would you give us any advice? Get some tasty tacos while you're in town. Get some what? <laughs> Get some tasty tacos while you're in town. Tasty tacos. <laughs> I uh, no, I, I I think as far, I mean, I had very little experience in being able to go around and see the different stuff. I wish I would have gone out earlier to see all the different uh, vendors that were there. But uh, I wish I would have spent more time, uh, I mean, especially for somebody like me, it's kind of an outsider in that neck of the woods. Um, I wish I would have spent more time, like, really just picking the brains of those guys that are, uh, I mean, turkey hunting, turkey hunters like yourself, whitetail hunters. I'm, I'm a novice when it comes to turkey hunting. 
um, you guys would laugh if you heard me try to call. You got but, any? You got any turkey calls? I've got I've got turkey calls. Well, we may have to have you fired up. We have. We, you, oh, you I, have don't, to, I, didn't, I didn't bring them up here. They're <laughs> down my basement. When, when's, when's the turkey season open in Utah? Uh, we start up. You've got a limited entry season that starts here. I think it's the middle part of April and runs through the end of end of April, and then you've got general season that starts the first part of May, uh, and that goes for the whole month of May. And then we don't start, and then that shuts down for a while until about September. I think we have a they've got a um, just like just a short fall hunt that we do. Okay, you might have answered this earlier. I, I couldn't. I don't remember. I had to run outside real quick. Did you get drawn for a super tag yet? I haven't. Are, are you, nope, are I haven't. You, have you been applying for it? I do every year. Yeah. How many years? We, you, how many years you vested? Oh my gosh! I've been putting into that uh, that sportsman's tag for fifteen years, probably. Fifteen. Good wow. God. Yep. yep. Now, what is that tag? So that, that so there's a couple different ones you got. So the sportsman's tag. It's you've got the super tag up in Wyoming, and it's similar to the Utah sportsman's tag. The sportsman's tag, what it does, and, and it's actually really awesome. Um, the only thing is it's for residents only. They only open it up to residents. But they basically, they, they give out one tag for each major species in, in Utah, as far as like uh, a bear, antelope, elk, deer. But they also have once-in-a-lifetime hunts, which would be mountain goat, uh, sheep, desert sheep, and bighorn sheep, and then moose, and, and bison, excuse me, and bison. They give out one tag of each of those. It's a, it's basically a 365 day tag, and it, and there's no boundaries as to where you can hunt. You can, except for a couple, like any Indian reservation properties, you can't, um, you can't access. And I think there's maybe a couple land specifically, like uh, here in Utah, I've got Antelope Island is what it's called, and they don't allow you on there. But other than that, you can hunt. It's basically, it, it's essentially statewide, and it's for a one year tag. You can hunt any time of the year you want to. Wow. But there's no point system behind it either. It's a, it's a 100% lottery draw. So, you don't accrue points year over year. It's 100% lottery. So when you put in for that, and you, which, which species are you putting in for? I usually put in for, uh, for almost all of those. I do uh, bear, bison, mountain goat, bighorn sheep, moose, mule deer, and elk. Oh, so you can put in separate, I, that many yep. separate tags each year. I got you. Yep. And yep. you're, you're putting in for that many every year, and you're not getting drawn after 15 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. How many tags do they give? Five? And then, uh, they give out one for each species is all they do. Each species gets one tag, and that's just the sportsman's tag. Uh, then you get into, like, your limited entry hunts in Utah, and that's a whole other mess. That, that's a whole other thing. Um and I don't know if you guys want any details of that, but. <laughs> well, we kind of went into those limited entry tags with Shad, and, and he gave us a rundown of, you know, the cumbersome approach it takes to keeping up with what your points are, how many years you got to put yep. in, putting in for this zone, putting in for that zone, or whatever it may be. I mean, I know in Arizona in the Strip, there were four non-resident mule deer tags drawn last year for the entire yeah. that, that entire Strip zone. Yep. You're talking millions of acres. Oh, yeah. And four got non-residents. So it's going to be hard for anybody wanting to come out there and hunt, but there is a possibility. You don't, you know, anybody listening that wants to think about going to Utah to do a hunt, don't let it, you know, steer you away because there is opportunity there. You just have to be very selective where you're going. Right. Yep. And, and, you know, and and if you're real serious about it, um, my, my honest recommendation is, uh, especially for like you guys or anybody that, that's serious about coming out west, is looking to like. You guys ever heard of Hunting Fool? No. Check them out. There's Hunting Fool, and then Go Hunt is another one. Go Hunt. I've heard of that one. Mm-hmm. So Hunting Fool was kind of the. Um, how do you want to say that? They're, they're kind of ones who created this platform where they spend a lot of time looking at different hunts they're looking at all your points they're helping you collect all your points they essentially they're kind of your they become your little secretary you you pay an annual fee of like 100 or 150 bucks depending on which outfit you're going with and they help you hand pick and select different hunts you can put in for you tell them you know when you want to draw what kind of animals you want to hunt and they help you go through that process of you know public land hunts and and cwmu's 
and all those different things. And so it kind of helps you manage all of that. It's kind of uh, like kind of like the same program that Nick Munt um, with the Bone Collector. He's he's come out with a uh, with a program for that as well. Yeah. So yep, it, like exactly you said, like it that. helps you to build those points and everything else. So that's a definitely a yep. tool if you're going to hunt the the West that you need to be be to be mindful of. It'd be a worthwhile investment. Yeah, because it's definitely yep. it's definitely for somebody growing up in Georgia. It's definitely intimidating trying to figure out where to go and spend your money. You know, it's it's a oh yeah, it's a big effort trying to get out there, and you don't want to just waste your money and you know not even have at even a chance at success. So that's one thing that's really kind of held me back is really wanting to do my research and make sure I'm going to the right spot at the right time Yep, with the right people. And he ain't talked me into it. Yet. And I'm waiting on Alex to get off white tails for just a second. <laughs> do, you know the, do you know the draw success for a non-resident turkey tag? I, I don't know what the real draw success would be. I could look that up for you guys. Um, but I would say it's pretty. It's probably pretty easy. Okay. I would expect it. It, it might take you a couple of years, uh, you know, maybe a year or two to draw it. But I would expect that you would have too too much of an issue doing so. Might have to trade an Eastern for a Merriam. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it it. I don't know what to compare it to because, like I said, I I've never hunted turkeys the way you guys do. It's uh, for here being but in Utah especially, it's all about knowing the. Um, the elevation that they're going to be at they're kind of they're kind of climbing up with the snow line melting so my personal experience has been you're trying to find like I said that elevation it's usually right on the right on the rim of where the snow is just barely melted enough they can get in there and find some feed that's what but Sh- if it's, that's what Shad had told us when he was on here yeah yep and I had heard another podcast where they were talking about the same exact thing and talking about that greenery comes up right where that fresh ground is and then they're drinking that water also melting off that snow yep. now let me yep. ask you this do they when that's when that snow's melting does it completely melt away and the turkeys move back down because that's the time of year i want to come <laughs> you're thinking oh, instead of chasing it up the mountain you <laughs> yeah. want to chase it down yeah good thinking nick i like your thinking maybe, on that. He, maybe he's got a bike you can borrow does all that snow melt or does it or is there always a snow line no it, it melts off okay. there's by it depends on where you're at in the state truthfully um like the place that i actually deer hunt i can't even i can't even access these basins until about middle of july because of the snow it's just it's shut down that long but then there's other parts and for as far as turkeys go by you know there's some years where i can't get hardly anywhere um because everything's just snow packed at least the places that i like to hunt uh and then there's other years where it's all melted off and it's a thousand feet above me basically but those turkeys they, they kind of do have their home turf that they like to hang out in um they don't necessarily keep on climbing until they're at the peaks of the mountains that there's a certain elevation that they will kind of get to to where they want to be um but it does kind of vary year to year depending on that on how much snow and how quickly it melts off take me back tim you know we've talked about a couple of different species here What's what's one of your favorite hunts of all time? I mean, I, I know we all as hunters tend to have a bunch that stick out in our mind, but what's one for you that that really sticks out? Because and for everybody that doesn't know you or hasn't spoken with you before, how how old are you? I'm 36. So you're right, our same age as us, and and you know, yep. Nick's Nick's 36. And um, is it is it is there one hunt that sticks out in your mind as one that's just just that one hunt for you. I, I just I, I know there's got to be several, but what's one that really just reson, resonates for you? There's there's one in particular that uh, I mean, as soon as you say that, it, it immediately pops into my head. Um, it was this would have been what 2007. Uh, it was uh, I mean, I was pretty young, obviously at that point. It was, what 23, 24 years old at that point was all and. Um, it was just a deer hunt, just a mule deer hunt, just a general season muzzleloader hunt that we went on every year. And in this particular one, it was uh, one with my grandpa. I actually, uh, typically he's come down with my uncles and whatnot, but on this particular one, he drove down with me, uh, stayed with me for a good portion of that. And uh, uh, to that point, I ended up having an opportunity, second day of the, of the hunt season, to be able to harvest what was my biggest year at that time which was a maybe a 160 class four point um 
now, now I know you guys are make fun of me because of how we talk about the numbers of points on our deer. Um, my four point would have actually been an eight point for you guys. Right, right. It was a four by four. It was a four by four with eye guards. Um, <clears throat> so, and like I said, we was a you know a, a real. He was really a good deer. It was it was great. But what made that that hunt more memorable was no more than an hour later um, and 200 yards down the ridge from where I was at, uh, my grandpa harvested what would be his last deer um, before he passed away. Um, That's one that will forever um, stick with me as as probably the most memorable hunt experience I ever had because it was, I mean, my grandpa was one of my heroes. My dad and my grandpa are by and far my heroes. And and I've got pictures of my grandpa as a little kid. And I had a, I had to have matching boots and matching vests, vests as grandpa. Um, you know, and, um, so we were just always really close, always had a really close relationship. So to be there on the mountain with him and to watch him do that and, and to watch him harvest again. And he actually shot a nice four point that I've got hanging up in my, in my office right now next to my deer. And, um, what, what a memory to hang on to, to, to have been there with grandpa to watch him do that at 83 years old. Yeah, what you know, a, you, we always go into that, and we talk about that a lot of mounting those memories. And every time you look at those deer, you you definitely think of grandpa, and that's you know that's definitely the the story that I was hoping that you would tell, and that's that's pretty yep. pretty special. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. No, of course, that's awesome for you it's to get a, on here and be. Able to, I, I love sharing that. <laughs> that. That's awesome for you to be able to get on here and say those things, and express your feelings for that, knowing how much that your grandpa means to you. He, uh, he was a good man. And, and like I said, into this day, I, uh, I've had a few experiences where I, I've, uh, I feel like he, he's been close by. I, I always felt like for a lot of years that he, the years that he couldn't hunt anymore, he kind of lived vicariously through me. I mean, every time I saw him, he was always asking about, you know, what mountain was I on and what animals I've been seeing and what, what deer I've been chasing. And, and then of course he would also ask what, what female, D E A R deer. I was chasing through at the time. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so well, you know, and, making sure I was dating girls still and, and keeping giving give enough time to find myself a wife in the meantime. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, you know, and that's something I haven't asked anyone from out there. We always, I guess, we take for granted with the conversations we have with people we know from the southeast that you know, family here is. I, you pretty much talked to somebody from here. You grew up here. You know, everybody's yeah. grandpa knew this guy's grandpa, and it was uh, it was always that. Did your family, were they, you know, pretty much from Utah, or did you guys transplant there from somewhere else? We've we've been here for forever. Uh, I mean, we I, I've got I've got lineage that came across the plains with the pioneers and settled in in here in Utah uh, when when they first came in here to begin with. I've got family members that help settle a lot of the towns that are in Southern Utah now. And, uh, and, and so there are some, um, some names when, when I talk about my grandpa in particular, you get down in Southern Utah and start mentioning the name Beater, And, uh, it doesn't take me long to find somebody who knows that name and, and recognizes that family name in that net in that neck of the woods. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's exactly what I wanted to hear was somebody that's cause growing up in Georgia, I mean, I'm five generations. My children are five generations on the same piece of mm-hmm. property, and so you're you're from out there. That's pretty neat that they left the you know the plains and crossed over there. Could you imagine crossing all those? How the heck they cross all the no. rivers? <laughs> That's oh what's always gosh. amazed me. How they cross my all the rivers? And they don't have waders. <laughs> no, they ain't got no waders. Their feet was wet for more than a couple of weeks. That's a lot tougher back then. That, that I actually agree with that. I, I think they would uh, probably kick our butts left and right if, if we were to go toe-to-toe against any of them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> what you got, Nick? Man, I, I enjoyed that story as much as anything, and I usually ask this last, but what are you most thankful for, Tim? Oh, boy. That's, uh, I, 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 I will tell you this much. Um, I, what, what I'm truly thankful for is, uh, is my – is my sweet wife first and foremost. Um, and she's my companion, my best friend. Um, you know, we, we dated off and on for, for several years and, and I was fortunate enough to, that her eyesight got bad enough that she just decided to marry me a couple of years ago. And, <laughs> but I mean, she's, she's my best friend. And, and I mean, you talk about family, it's, it's the world to me, the foundation of everything that I am, it, it all revolves around my family. 
And, uh, you know, and I mentioned my mission, you know, and the other component of that is, is my religion. You know, I, I, I believe in, you know, that it doesn't goes beyond just our bloodline here, uh, you know, here on earth, if you will. I, I, I look at you guys and think, you know what, like, these are my brothers across the country, you know, like these are guys that we, we share the same mentality and the same, the same passion. Um, you know, we, and we all pray to the same, you know, father in heaven. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, Amen. So those are, th- that's what keeps me ticking. I'll tell you that, that those are the, the three major things that keep me running each day. Well, and that's something we've heard, you know, speak profoundly on in, in pretty much everyone we've, we've spoken to throughout this podcast and you know, this is 32 episodes we've done in, in four short months. And I can say 95% of them, the, the most thankful thing they've had has been their faith and been their, you know, their family. And that's something that it speaks well for the community of hunting, but it speaks well for the society as, as people that we are, in, you know, in the country that there are still good people out there. Yep that that's the thing I would say of anything. I might, I've traveled all over the West here in different capacities and you you turn on the news and, and boy, I mean, it's, it's a train wreck or at least they, at least they paint a picture of it being a train wreck out there. But I would say that 90% of people in this country are good folks. You know, we, we, I think we genuinely respect one another. We care about one another. We may not always agree, but we certainly have enough respect for for each other that, uh, um, and, and compassion to one another's worlds that, uh, like you say, I, I think we're we're all generally, for the most part, just good people. Media paints us all as being enemies. They they don't yep. want people from the west to like people from the east. They don't want people in California to like people in Alabama. They don't want you know it, it is it's painted as a picture that we're all against each other. And in the grand scheme of things, when we get right down to it, and it's just us sitting around on the porch having a cold beer or whatever it may be, we're all thankful just to be there with each other. Yep. And that and that yep. helps kind of and that helps going into this next question. What kind of advice would you give somebody that may be coming up in the outdoors or I don't know coming up in anything that they may be doing in their life? Oh, my advice to any of anybody who's trying to come up with uh, doing stuff in the outdoors. It ain't um, got to be outdoors, man. You can just any kind of advice. Any kind of advice. Normal day advice. <laughs> Just keep yourself grounded. I, I mean, really, stuck. I mean, for me, it's, it, I try to remind myself. Any any time I have a bad day, there, there's always somebody who has that's, that's having a worse day than you are, you know. And um, I, I look at you know the times. I mean, last year, like I said I got laid off and I lost my job and I thought all hope was gone. I was building a house and and uh, when all is said and done, after you know a few weeks of it, it's like you know what? I'm healthy. I've got a wife. You know, we're getting ready to start a family. Um the sun keeps rising every day. And so I think just, just keep plugging away, at, you know, at things, but just make sure that you recognize what the things you're grateful for and really focus on the things that actually do matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh, you know, stuff is just stuff, but your, your family and, and your friends, I mean, that's, that's what matters most, uh, you know, each and every day. And um, you, you stick true to those things and, and life will, you will weather any storm you're faced with. That's right. Life's too short to be, mad at somebody or have a bad day yep. really i mean we have them all the time but life is too short for that tim yep, man I, tim man i really do appreciate you coming on i appreciate you yeah talking about everything you did and answering some of our questions and it kind of went I, a little I, faster than i expected it to. I, it took it it's already an hour i'll in. tell you what man i enjoy talking <laughs> i enjoy talking to you Absolutely. west coast boys you know i mean it's you guys just bring a different side of it a little bit i mean we all strive for the same thing but you guys just bring a little different I don't know, just a little bit different something to the table, you know. Um, yep. And I, and I just want to say thank you for coming on. Is there anybody you'd like to give a shout-out to before we go around the table here? Nobody in particular. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, wanna, just, I, wanna, I just got to tell you guys thank you. You know, I, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to be able to talk to you guys. I'm, I'm really looking forward to when you guys come out this way and or when we go out your way and actually get to meet you guys face-to-face. Oh, that's going to happen sooner or later. Didn't Brian say they had a trip planned out here somewhere? Yeah, Brian's got some family out this way, I think. I thought they had something with Baku. No, y'all did have some kind of seminar or something coming up. We we do. We're actually, in fact, you talk about Realtree. We've got, I'm trying to remember, Brian's got more of the details on that one. 
I believe that we've got a couple of guys going back there for uh, for a turkey hunt here yep. in, in the next little bit with yep. Realtree. Yep, Realtree Farms is about two and a half, three hours south yep. of us. Yep. Um, and uh, I, I doubt I doubt we'll be able to bother anybody at that time, but you know, definitely, uh, definitely going to keep the conversation with you guys open and absolutely going because it doesn't matter if it's a phone call. You know, I've I've come to realize that anytime that, that we're able to speak, that it's always a always a lot of fun, and we can always absolutely find to shoot the bull about. So, Cody, you well, when you guys are ready to come out this way, when you guys are ready to come out this way, you just you hit us up and let us know, and we'll. We'll divulge any information we can to try and help you out with any hunts or vacation or whatever you want to do out this direction. We just want to come out there and shoot the breeze. <laughs> yeah, just come out there and hang Perfect. out. Perfect. Love it. No, I definitely appreciate you coming on, and I'm definitely – I'm may um, i going to pick your brain about some, some hunts. Like I said, I've been trying to get out west for a while. I'm going to talk Alex into it in the next year or so, um, get him awesome. off these Midwest whitetails for just a, just three or four, <laughs> you know, just three or four days or something. And uh, definitely gonna have a hard time with that. Them, them deer in the Midwest <laughs> chase me hard. <laughs> but no, I just appreciate you coming on, taking time away from you, from your wife and what you got going on, and um, uh, really appreciate what you brought to the table tonight. No problem, Nick. Anything? Well, hey, as I told you on the phone, we were talking the other day, Tim. I was excited to get you on here and talk it, and I, and I didn't want it to be anything other than exactly what you brought to the table with. I wanted to know what another Western guy was thankful for. And uh, just to kind of, for everybody out there listening, I want you to take from this a, a, a continued focus on what we're all striving to be better at, whether it's your faith, whether it's your, you, you know, your family or whatever it could be that you want it to be, you want to be better. Take from these podcasts that we're all wanting the same thing as you are, no matter where we're at in the country, and uh, just be thankful for it. That's that's all we can ask for. And I, I definitely, uh, definitely look forward to the relationship that we're continuing to build with Baku. And uh, I look forward to the opportunity to talk to Mr. Yoder on um, on on with the forerunner blinds because, from what I've seen, he's a straight hammer when it comes to deer. Yep, he is. He'll t- he'll tell you some stories. He'll show you some deer that will probably make you cry. I guarantee you will. So, <laughs> um, like, like I said, and like everybody else did, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, and I'll be hollering at you in the next few days. I'm I'm getting ready to jump on a jump on an airplane myself and and do a little traveling for work. But uh, I'll definitely be uh, reaching out to you. And uh, if you need anything, if we can help you out with anything here, feel free to reach out to us. But uh, in the meantime, just uh, just keep things going on, and uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. Likewise. Appreciate it, guys. All right, we'll talk. We'll, look forward to talking to you. Yep, take care. All right, see ya. Bye now. All right, everybody. That was a great episode. I enjoyed talking with Tim. He, you know, he was a uh, he was fortunate, or I guess it was a fortunate meeting for Brian to just kind of introduce us because Brian actually thought we were going to be at the Iowa Deer Classic for an opportunity to talk, and uh, we weren't there this year. I hope but, he's right next year. You ain't kidding. Yeah. Let's go. We're going to go. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, 16 hours? Huh? I'm flying. I'm flying. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'll driving. put that bag, I'll put that in a box like that, in, or a tote, and I'll put it on the airplane. And I'll put one $50. backpack, wear the same clothes all three days. You do that here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> okay. We can mail our clothes. I got people up there. I wonder where that's at. Is it in Des Moines? Or? I think it is, yeah. Des Moines, yeah. Yeah. I got, hey. So then I got it. I got forty five minutes all around Des Moines. We can be. We got plenty of places to stay. I guarantee you, that'd be more. Just drop than a that hammer. Guys. Hey, you want to drive? No. <laughs> Plane tickets ain't bad going to Des Moines. You can get one round trip about three hundred forty bucks. You have to get somebody up there to build us a booth so we can just pick it up when we get up there. I think you know we've talked about that. I wouldn't even mind partnering up with somebody that's up there. Maybe as an opportunity to share a booth or whatever it may be. Cause that's gonna be if we if we gonna take a, a, a yeah, booth yeah, setup, it, we'd be driving. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah we would. Absolutely. It would probably be better off to tag team with some of these guys. I'd be. I'd. I'd love the opportunity to just go up there and see it, lay eyes on it. You know, maybe not be involved with it. Maybe walk around with a parallel on or whatever it may mm-hmm. be. What you looking over that smirk for? He wants a booth. So we're, we're going we're part gonna, of it. Well, yeah. <laughs> if we're gonna make that trip up yeah. there to Iowa, we're Who taking that. We're taking a headset. And we're taking your mouth. <laughs> I'm leaving on that midnight train to Iowa. Let's go. Fun. Let's go. You got to catch a plane. I do. I got to catch a flight. It it's ain't going to be long. Man. It has been fun. I appreciate you having us over again. I know I thank you for that always. And uh, hopefully uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll continue to do it. We got a, hey, it's a full slated week. 
four episodes in one week. And by the time these drop, turkey season already be gone. Come. Play it. Uh, so Nick's been here with <laughs> no, us tonight, and uh, yeah, I am too. <laughs> so Nick's been here. Uh, Durham's been here with us tonight, and he's uh, he's got Cody um, Cody a turkey call made up. He's over here wetting it up in his mouth. He's also going to be. No, I'm not. He's also going to be calling at the G O N Outdoor Blast. Really? I signed him up. All right. Yeah. Wow. What my a name. surprise yep. it is tonight. Uh, I'm gonna. Hide. I'm not playing this. I it just because it's hot off the press. I don't press. care. Play it. No, you I, talk about all the time. Oh, I could talk a tuck. Oh, Liam, I could talk a ride up. So I've let's hear you. Come on, that. put it on. Put on your shoes. Let's go. Play it. No, I'm not. See, you know, I, that's that's what they like. Uh, to I, had, do, I Nick. haven't even had this in my mouth for about four seconds. Just I just heard it. Just do it. It's not. I mean, it's not going to film. Good enough. There you go. Look at there. See there. He he he's shy. He's bashful. I mean. Do that kiki run. Well, it's going to take me a minute to figure out the pressure. Yeah, you got to figure them out. I don't know. Put it in my mouth. I'd want y'all to be ever giving me dang CPR <laughs> getting that D choker out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we. Well, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. It's been a fun night with uh, with the guys from out at Baku. We had them on again, you know, and it's it's fun to get them on and talk anytime. Um, those Western guys bring something to the table that I'm excited for and uh, definitely look forward to the future with them. So, for everybody here at Talk About It Outdoors, we want to thank you for tuning in for another star studded episode. Come back and be with us next time. We'll sit on the porch a while. Remember, smile as you go, and don't forget Mountain Memories.